see you. If you have a quarterly, simply meaning a Sunday school book, we're on page 86, page 86, okay? And if you would turn to that section, today's study is on uh, prayer. So as we look at it, uh, we're, we're looking at how to fulfill, or, or what I call how to fulfill the Great Commission. And that means uh, the Lord has called us all to be witnesses. Last week we studied that we're ambassadors for Christ. And as a result of that, if we're going to be those ambassadors and fulfill that commission that the Lord has placed on our lives, where or how are we going to accomplish that? And we know that sometimes, uh, let's be honest and be guilty at the same time, maybe sometimes prayer is the last thing we do or we think it's the least important thing, but it really is the most important thing. So with that, we'll uh, introduce it on page 86, and then we'll look at these passages here in 1 Timothy, and we'll see what Paul told the young, timid pastor, okay? And that's literally what Timothy is. He is met on the second missionary journey by Paul and Silas, and uh, they take along Timothy. You'll find that in Acts 15 and 16. And from that, Timothy just becomes a staple uh, there with Paul, and uh, what a great mentorship that Paul had there with him. Let's pray, okay? Father, thank you. Lord, I thank you for life. I thank you for energy, the way you equip us all, but also, Lord, the way that you take night and you bring rest in our bodies and our spirits. And then, Lord, you awaken us into a new day to be faithful to what you've called us and commissioned us to be. Lord, remember those families that we call their names a little earlier today that need our prayer. I pray, God, that you'll visit with them. You'll show yourself strong in their lives. And, Lord, we'll praise you for all and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You folks who are joining us by way of uh, YouTube, if you have a Bible available, let me tell you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll take from there in a moment, and we'll begin in verse number 1, and we'll begin today, okay? Uh, the writer, in his introduction of the subject matter, said, he said, when I received Christ, I had plenty of time to pray. Then life got busier with all the responsibilities that come with marriage, children, work, ministry. And he said, as a result of that, I still prayed daily, but it required a focused effort. And I must confess that it requires a diligent effort. Why? Because there are many competing things in all of our lives, are they not? You know, uh, the reality of uh, going to an office like some of you do or possibly uh, the challenges that you have uh, in your life. If you're like myself, we have good intentions. We chart out that stuff in a day planner or an hour planner. And as a result of that, if we're not careful, we totally get so busy that about lunchtime we remember, oh, I forgot to do what, why, what was the most important thing. However, knowing uh, that about prayer, if we could start our days... Uh, with prayer and then uh, consume prayer throughout the day, how much better off we would all be. Look what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, I highlighted that 
Underline that. Why? Because Paul, I think, is prioritizing something there. He said, first of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, Paul is talking about the importance of prayer. I'm sure if you would think about it, uh, many of you, uh, you've been in church the larger part of your life, and you probably can think about at some point, maybe the church did a study on prayer. Maybe you can think about some of the books that you have read about prayer. I think about some of those uh, Bible college books uh, that uh, you know we were required to read on prayer. R.A. Torrey wrote many good small books on prayer, and E.M. Bounds, I believe, was another. But almost every writer has taken the challenge of writing something about prayer. And the reason I say that is because uh, it is so important. Now, is that what Paul is saying here when he says to Timothy, first of all, is he saying that this is the most important thing that you will do? Or might he be saying here that in, in, in the order of everything you do, remember to, first of all, commit those things to prayer. Now, the writer again said the first order of business in the church uh, is to pray. You know, uh, for many uh, decades uh, we've known that uh, the church, when it is uh, at ease, uh, is not always the most prayerful church that there is. However, you let some calamity come or you let the nation get in a mess and what happens is people begin to come back to the Lord, they come back to the church and likewise we'll come back to prayer. Why? Because we know it is a means whereby God hears us. Someone said, and I wish I could remember who, they said prayer is not a means whereby we get our will done in heaven, but prayer is the means whereby God gets His will done on earth. So, he said, first of all, I urge you. Uh, Colossians 4.2 tells us, devote yourselves to prayer. Other places uh, we're reminded uh, about the important as well as the urgency of prayer. Luke chapter 18 verse 1 is a verse comes to my mind about prayer as well. You remember the disciples would ask Jesus for two things that I remember of specifically. One was, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Another was, Lord, increase our faith. And do you know those two things I believe connect together? Because if our faith is going to be increased, most likely it's going to happen through the means there of prayer. Prayer, the writer said, is how we communicate with God. But we often treat it like a monologue, focusing on our needs and concerns. But he said the ultimate goal of prayer, however, is to connect with God, to seek Him and His wisdom. When we do that, He is glorified as our prayers align with His will. Notice in that verse there, number one, uh, you, you either might have underlined them, I didn't, but I am now. Look at the words that he uses there to define it. I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made. 
Now, uh, don't think that these petitions and intercessions and thanksgivings uh, are something that's not included in prayer. I think what Paul is doing here is giving us, some, giving us some small divisions of what a prayer might consist of. Now, if you're following along in your quarterly, and those of you who are watching by YouTube today are doing so with your Bible, uh, think about this. Now, the quarterly defines this on page 87 in the right-hand margin, and he starts by defining prayers or petitions. He said, petitions are requests for needs, and in general our prayers are requests or, or thoughts expressed to God. Now, uh, petitions. How many of you, probably in every prayer you have, uh, make a petition? Hey, I'm guilty. I remind God what we need. You know, and sometimes I have to confess to you after I've thought on that and asked God for it for about two or three days, I realized it wasn't a need to start with. It was probably just something I wanted. It was a greed, I call it. Now, the Lord don't get angry with us when we pray like that. He just knows what we need. However, when we make petitions, a lot of our petitions, let's be honest, when we're praying, they're not necessarily for ourselves, are they? Now, you know, that's something that happens with maturity in life, and all of you qualify for that age now. Uh, you're praying for other people lots of times. Now, he covers that under intercessions as well. Notice, he said petitions there, several types of prayers he calls them uh, in the margin. But then he says, in general, our prayers uh, are requests or thoughts expressed to God. How many of you remember what the Lord did when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples? What did Jesus do? He stopped, didn't he? And he said, let me just give you a thought there. And he gave them the model prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, uh, again, that wasn't necessarily him saying that this is the prayer you ought to be praying. He was, I think, giving us an example of a means whereby that we could and should pray. So there's petitions, there's prayers, there's intercessions, uh, and they are prayers we present to God on behalf of the others. It's our privilege to intercede for and pray on behalf of others. Now, you know, the, the beauty of the age in which we're living now is what used to take uh, 10 or 12 phone calls to different people, then they would call a bunch of different people. Uh, whereas you, you would try to get a body informed about a prayer need. Now, uh, with those who have a smartphone and you got a uh, and you got someone sent out a post or an email, you, you can touch thousands of people almost instantly by saying, pray for, and list a name there. Matter of fact, uh, I do that quite often. Now, I may not touch a thousand people, but when I send it to 200 and what, 16 or 15, and then y'all turn around and send it to some, what happens is the word and the need gets out, doesn't it? So the Lord is saying intercessions. Matter of fact, you've interceded for somebody today, I bet, already, have you not? If not, you will. I think that should be one of our... Uh, priorities in prayer because the more we focus on lifting up somebody else to prayer 
I think we probably sense that we have less needs than we did before we started in that prayer. Then he said also, thanksgivings. He said, they remind us to be grateful for what God is and for what He has done and can do. Anybody got anything to give God thanks for this morning? Could you just say it in a quick word or two? Anybody? Amen. Strength to get up. And that's a young man talking over there. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Hey, pray for them grand youngins. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Hey, listen, you, you, you don't have to chart it, but sometimes if you prayer journaling and you journalize some things, uh, look back at your journal sometime and see those specific things that you've been praying for other people. And what will happen there is it will amaze us what God has done. I was talking to David Hodges back there on the back row this morning before we started worshiping, uh, reminiscing over the last 23 years. And uh, when, we came to, when we came here from Florida uh, to, to pastor here, Lydia was a year and a half old. And you know that three weeks from yesterday, she's getting married and she's finished her six-year college degree and she's already got her a job in, uh, you know, in North Georgia. It's amazing. You know, you stop, you stop and you start thinking about some things that maybe you prayed about 23 years ago or 20 years ago that your kids would grow up or your grandkids would. Jim's graduating his last uh, kid. Hey, man, let, ain't God good? Pardon the English. Man, we, we could just consume our, our prayer life of thanksgiving today if we just told God thank you for all you've done. He said the list emphasizes though as we look at these four words, petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgivings, the writer said this list emphasizes the comprehensive nature of our prayers. He said it's not beneficial for our prayer life to focus on one type of prayer. Effective prayers include petitions, intercessions, thanksgivings, and all forms of there a prayer. On page 88, I'm not going to highlight the, all of this, uh, but read those notes there that the writer uh, has given us when it comes uh, to this subject matter of prayer. He said, whether we agree with who they are or what they stand for, we're admonished to humble ourselves and agree or intercede with the Father on their behalf. And what he's speaking to is verse 2 when he said there that those prayers should be made for everyone, for kings, and all of those who are in authority. Now, we may disagree, as the writer said, with their philosophy. We might even disagree with uh, uh, the steps that they're taking. But folks, we still need to pray for those in the position, do we not? Because if, hey, God intercedes uh, there because of our prayer in their life, What's going to happen is uh, the Lord is glorified and man also is going to be, uh, be coming out of that much better. Sometimes it's hard to pray for those in authority. Have you found that? I used to work with a friend and he said concerning uh, our, uh, our boss, he said one day he's going to get what he deserves. Folks, we should never pray that people get what they deserve. 
Because if God gave everybody what they deserve and He turned that on me, hey, I, I would not have the hope of eternity in heaven. But we should pray for all of those, those in authority. Why? That they may lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. We know because Romans 13, 1 and 2 states that, that God is in control. Now, we, some, some seem to be getting over the last election results. Hey, I don't, I don't glorify them even now, but hey, it's where we are, isn't it? And we need to find ourselves praying for those in authority. And I think we could say that could be on a local government level, a state level, a national level. It also could be in the church as well, could it not be? Uh, it means uh, everyone uh, should be included in our prayer life. Any thought there before we move on in the next couple of verses? Okay, look at verse 3 now on page 88. You who are following by YouTube, we're at 1 Timothy 2 and verse 3, okay? He said, This is good, and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. Now, the writer, when he introduces this, I always like to read the first paragraph, see where he's trying to run with us uh, with his thoughts. He said, I've had a few injuries that required care from a chiropractor or a physical therapist. The goal of their therapy was to provide from relief from pain and restore alignment. He said, those injuries often caused chronic discomfort until damaged parts of my body were brought back to healthy alignment. And then this first sentence, we often need spiritual alignment as well. Now, used to be, and 40 years ago, when you talked about alignment, what were you talking about? The front end of your car or truck, wasn't you? You know, and now you're talking about, hey, to, to, to go to the chiropractor in the morning where we can get up and go to work, so to speak. Well, uh, our, our life, and when I say our life, I think I can speak for all believers. At some point in our life, they all need some realignment, do they not? Hey, I, I'm going to confess to you, most of you know I'm turning 65 in two weeks, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, probably no birthdays ever bother me, and this one don't either, but I think differently than I used to as well. And uh, hey, you know, I've had to realign some of my thoughts, I'm just being honest with you, because, uh, you know, that's a blessing to be able to, 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 to think, as far as I know, I'm pretty healthy. But at the same time, I need to be spiritually healthy. And sometimes God has to work on us to get us back there. Notice this verse. It says there, it's good, it pleases God our Savior, who has a desire for people. What is his, what is his desire for people? Notice, he gives us the answer there. For everyone to be saved. You know what? That's something you should never have to pray God's will over. Seriously, because here it tells us His desire is that they be saved, right? Now, if we want to pray for people to be saved, we might say, Hey, Lord, use me in any way you choose to allow me to help them come to a knowledge of truth there. But 
you know, the, the reality is this, that we pray, God, save so-and-so. Now, maybe the reason more people aren't being saved is because we have less prayers being ushered on that behalf. And I'm not saying that you're guilty. I'm saying that I might be guilty as well. You know, because if we're not careful, we run in our circle of Christian friends. We work in our circle of Christian friends. And before we know it, we know fewer unsaved people than we've ever known in our lives. You say, well, preacher, we're told to abstain from everything uh, that has an evil influence. Well, yeah, but at the same time, we need to be praying for lost folks. It says he wants everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth. It was what? Just a few weeks ago where we studied about God the Holy Spirit and John chapter 16 would tell us the work of the Spirit in our lives. And uh, also Romans 8 would talk about how He intercedes for us when we know not what we should pray for. On page 89, you see the pictures. Uh, we always like the pictures in a book, don't you? Well, uh, the, the beauty there of the butterfly, and you see the various stages there of uh, what happens uh, for that beautiful butterfly to come out of that cocoon. And um, sort of life is like that, isn't it? We may not look like much in the beginning, but praise the Lord, in the end, uh, what God is doing in us makes us the beautiful person that we are becoming. Years ago, I must be talking 30 years ago now, dating things, Emma. But anyway, Debbie came home one time. Uh, she was working at First Baptist Church High Springs in their, in their preschool department. And when I say preschool, I'm daycare. Uh, and she was telling me, I don't believe she had told me anything about it until that day, but uh, they, in an aquarium, they, somebody had brought a cocoon on a little limb. And they put it in that aquarium. And uh, they began to observe that. And I always remember the day she came home that afternoon. And she was so excited because they had witnessed with their own eyes that butterfly coming to life. Now, you know, we witness maybe not that with our own eyes, but it's also good when we see that happen to people. That person who has become saved and then surrendered to the will of the Lord and then... As they yield themselves, God creates uh, of them that beautiful person that He would have them be. Isn't it beautiful that God loves us so much to save us? Look what He describes there in these verses. If you're listening now on YouTube or watching, uh, verse uh, 5 said, There is one God, one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Jesus Christ, who gave Himself a ransom for all, and test a testimony at the proper time. There's not many ways to come to Christ, is there? There's only one way. And the Scripture tells us that again, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Praise God for the life of Jesus. The writer made one other statement here that I've underlined on page 89 concerning this section. He said, through our prayers, we partner with God in advancing His kingdom. We partner with God in advancing His kingdom. Now, that sometimes has to sink in, doesn't it? 
Because in one verse or in one sentence, we can say, God doesn't need us. You know, God doesn't have to have us, which is true. But on the other hand, God partners with us and through us to accomplish His will on the earth. Everyone is significant, are they not? You show me a leader who will live as if or even verbalize that he doesn't need anybody to succeed, and I'll show you a failure in the process of happening. Why? Because God has created us to need one another. Max Lakato, many of you might read behind him, Max Lakato said on page 91, Our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Well, that's a profound statement there. Ah, I tell you, when we begin to realize that the prayer is not because of the one who says it, we begin to understand where we really are. Now, let's read the last passage that we'll uh, discuss here. And if you're following along, it's 1 Timothy 2, 7 and 8. He said, For this I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Now, we're getting back to a term that we looked at last week to a degree, are we not? When we read in Matthew 28, 18, when he talked about that we're ambassadors for Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, I believe that was, or 2 Corinthians 7, uh, he said, I was appointed. How many of us realize that we didn't necessarily choose to be who we are? God had a choice about the vocation and maybe sometimes the location and Hey, God is at work in our lives, I want us to see. But he said, God, call me out. He appointed me there as a herald. We could say as a teacher, a preacher, whatever you would want to say there. But he said, an apostle. I like that parenthesis. He said, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. Said the preacher at the table one day at uh, lunch. A uh, preacher was telling his family something that was going on. He said, now, I'm, I'm not preaching. I'm, I'm telling you the truth now. And the little girl said, well, Daddy, when you're preaching, what are you telling? Well, we need to be telling the truth at all times, and we know he was. But Paul said, I'm telling the truth, and I'm not lying. He said, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Now, we see Paul acknowledging he's been divinely appointed to preach the truce in verse 5 and 6. He didn't go exclusively to the Jews, of which we might think he would have or should have, but rather God sent Paul to the Gentiles. Now, Paul was so well trained in the Jewish uh, law and in the Jewish scrolls. If anybody knew it, he should have been the one going to the Jews, should he? No, God sent him to the Gentiles. The Jews, for whatever reason, probably wouldn't listen to him. They might have had such animosity and argumenta uh, they might have been argumentative with him. But yet and still Paul is talking about what God's doing in his life. Now notice how he talked about praying, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. 
the writer said, this is not an emphasis so the posture of prayer, or on the posture of prayer, but on our character. And I like that. Hey, it's all right. If you want to lift up your hands in prayer and worship, wonderful. But he's really talking about a posture of the heart. Let it be one of humility and grace. He said we face all kinds of challenges. We need to be prayed up. We face all kinds of challenges, so be prayed up. And he said that the heart of prayer is a dependence on the Holy Spirit who empowers us to witness. Now, there are four things there on the bottom of page 90. Uh, you can read, and he talks about where to pray for, the, for all people, family, friends, enemies. Uh, we're to pray for people to come to faith in Christ. Number three, we're to pray with confidence for their salvation. And number four, we're to pray for ourselves and others who share the gospel. Because, hey, we, we don't need to be doing it in our strength, but we need to be doing it uh, in God's strength. This week, I, when I wrote, read my lesson, I, I, I went back and I said, let me, let me just find some quotes on prayer. And I uh, copied and pasted no less than nine of them. Uh, someone said, prayer is the raising of one's mind and heart to God, the requesting of good things from God said, it's better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without heart. Whether we realize it or not, prayer is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts, we may thirst for Him. Let me just give you a few. Benjamin Franklin said, Work as if you were to live a hundred years. Pray as if you were to die tomorrow. Spurgeon said, Groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. John Mansfield said, God warms his hands at man's heart when he prays. Oswald Chambers, many of you have read behind him, said, When you are in the dark, listen, and God will give you a very precious message. Charles Finney, another who wrote much on prayer, said, Nothing tends more to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. So if you want to find some encouraging things, see what other great men and women of God have said about prayer. And then ask God, hey, let's ask God. God, warm my heart and, and restore us back to the, not the privilege of prayer, but to the priority of prayer. Because nobody can take away the privilege of prayer, but the priority is another story, isn't it? Well, thank you. If you've been joining us today by YouTube, let me tell you that our lesson next week is going to be coming out of Romans chapter 10. And in Romans chapter 10, we're going to focus on the message, okay? We have focused on the commission last Sunday. Today, we have focused on prayer which is one of the priorities uh, there of uh, those who have been called. And next week we're going to study what, mission, or what message uh, that we have because of the call, okay? God bless you. See you. Uh, get you a break, and we'll be back in here in just a few minutes.